from the team at CTS, this is the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast, our show dedicated to answering your training questions and providing actionable advice to help you improve your performance, even if you're strapped for time. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford, and I'm one of the over 50 professional coaches who make up the team at CTS. In each episode, I draw on our team's collective knowledge, other coaches, and experts in the field to provide you with the practical ways to get the most out of your training and ultimately become the best cyclist that you can be. Now, on to our show. Welcome back or welcome to the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford. Today, I've got an awesome friend and a repeat guest on the show, uh, Coach Jim Lehman. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah. Well, you're, uh, you're kind of an expert in all the fields when it pertains to coaching, but especially in the way of training camps. So I think with you coming fresh off of, uh, basically two big camps this year already, and we just turned into February, I thought it'd be awesome to have you on and talk about how, how best to do a training camp. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. We were fortunate enough to get into two good blocks in sunny weather. So yeah, we just talk about it. Which is hard to do in, in California, actually, the, this time of year. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess before we do, like, what, just tell us, like, the 92nd version of the two camps that you were doing. So, the first camp, we were in Solvang, California with the U.S. paracycling team. So, we do an all, once a year, we try to do an all national team camp. So, that's our road team and our track team kind of together in one space. And, it's multi-purpose, you know, one certainly is the training piece of it, right? We want to get on some longer rides with the riders. It's an opportunity for them to ride together. Many of them live in different parts of the country, so they don't get together as a whole group very often. Um, the other piece of it is an opportunity for us to sit down with each athlete and kind of go over their yearly plan, goals, things they need, things they need to work on, resources they need to tap into in terms of sports psychology, nutrition, strength training, you know, update equipment. Our head mechanic is there so he can go over their equipment. Do they change anything so he can make sure he has any special tools that might be needed to work on their bikes or new equipment. Um, and again, I think a lot of it is just that opportunity to reconnect uh, with each other and spend time together. A lot of us have been riding on the trainer through the winter solo or just scheduling. You get out and you ride with a couple people. So being able to come together as a group and ride on new roads and just good morale boost. Um, and then the second one was a little bit more of a, it is a training camp, but it's more of just kind of a fun, you know, I don't, none of us are really training for anything, but you know, you, me and, uh, you know, Paul and John just getting together in Florida just to log some miles, uh, in the sunshine, but kind of similar, similar approach because man, many of us, we, we can't get long rides in. I don't get long rides in except there. So it's a way to log some volume and kind of jumpstart the, your training for the year. Exactly. Cause basically whatever, <clears throat> you know, whatever you may or may not have on the radar, uh, if you have enough fitness when it comes down to making a decision about what you're doing, then it's going to be a lot easier to get excited about it. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. And with, with a good training camp, um, you know, there's, there's kind of like three things that stand out in my head and it's, you know, it's a volume based block of time to get a concentrated dosage of training in. 
And all too often, the, the second point is all too often, I, th I think a lot of athletes get excited and they go too hard too soon and will, and that can compromise some of the quality of riding and training that occurs there. And then finally, I think the third thing is, you know, if, if you take anything away from this podcast, it's let the volume be the stress this training stress that's going to give you benefit. So I want to, I want to kind of like double click on those three aspects and we'll go back to the first one. And I'll ask you, Jim, like, why do we encourage people and really anybody, but especially time crunched athletes to do a volume based approach for a training camp? Right. Well, I think in your previous podcast or maybe one of your previous, right, you just, just yeah. touched on that, this idea of base training and, and laying that aerobic foundation and, for most of us, it's hard to do at home, right? You're scheduling the weather. It's hard to get in long rides. So um, you often create more of an overload through intensity versus volume. Uh, and when you can go to a training camp, we take away all those other things, right? So you don't have work. Maybe you, you do a little bit of work now, um, you know, in the afternoons, but you take away all the other chores, all the other things. So you can now do this big block of volume, which you can't do at home. Um, and part of it is we can do it because we have the time and exactly. yep. we can recover. You know, when yep. you're away, you have more time for training, but you also have more time for recovery, more time for sleep. And that's what allows you to do three or four, five days. Um, again, it doesn't have to be a two week training camp. It could be right. a long weekend. Um, yeah. but that idea of being able to lay down that foundation and you can do the intensity, especially for a time crunch cyclist, it's you know, hour, 90 minutes of training at home, easy to do the intensity piece, but it's hard to do more than one, maybe two days. If you can do it on the weekends of, you know, longer, more endurance based riding. Yeah, exa exactly. You know, in, in, in the re and another reason is for volume is volume works. Volume creates fitness. Volume creates that aerobic base that we know. Is so, um, so powerful in our, in our sport, it's an endurance sport. And right now, you know, zone two gets the popular <laughs> thing, right? You know, it's so hot, but it's nothing new for anybody who's been in this industry as coaches or physiologists right. for, you know, for more than five years, right? Like if you have the education, you know, it works. However, like you talked about is like the luxury of time. If you have it on a regular basis, cool, go do a bunch of volume. But a lot of us don't. And a lot of us don't have the motivation for that. So training camp can create right. that environment to get that aerobic uh, development in that, that really any endurance athlete needs. So, um, but what, what about intensity? I mean, like, should you incorporate any of it or any of it in during a, a camp or is it all just like zone two strict? Yeah. I think it just depends on where you are and what you're doing, right? If you're in an environment with a few other people and there's some climbs in the area, just natural competitive spirit. You might get a little frisky on some of the climbs or a, you know, right. city town cities, you know, limit sign or something or you might sprint for that. But I don't think there's a need to do structured intervals, especially again, a time crunch cyclist is already doing their overload comes via structure via intensity all the time. So I would maybe, you know, you could let the terrain dictate that a little bit, right? If you're on an hour long climb and it's steep, you're probably going to go out of zone two anyway. So, but as far as structuring specific intervals, um, I, I don't think it's necessary. Maybe again, if you're working towards something in this, this event, this camp falls close to it, you might use it as an opportunity to do some specific intervals, you know, relative to the event you're doing, but otherwise I would just use it as an opportunity to, 
put in the long miles and, and have fun riding with other people again, riding on new roads or revisiting, you know, familiar roads. When we go back to Solvang, you know, we've been doing camps out there for 20 plus years. Those roads always feel like home to me. Um, and right now it's so green out there because of all the rain. So I, I think, yes, again, a little bit of intensity is fine, but I, I would focus on that overload via volume. Again, you know, like you said, you can do overload in different ways. You can overload with a volume of intensity or you can overload with a volume of time. And oftentimes, again, they're already getting that overload with the intensity. So yep. take advantage of the opportunity to put in the longer rides. Yeah. And I think, you know, j just to echo your sentiments, if I've got an athlete going out to camp, I'll just say, yeah, you know, ride zone two to three, some four, like you said, because on the hill climb, sometimes you just need to do that to get up the hill. Absolutely. <laughs> but the other thing is like, if you want to live to fight another day, you can't be drilling every hill at threshold and above and think that you're going to have the legs to ride, you know, the next day. And, right. <laughs> and, and like I said, my intro is like on day one, everybody's really excited to get after it. Right. But what happens, what happens if you do too much above threshold work that day? Right. Well, I, you know, we always talk about doing these camps, you know, treat them almost like a stage race, right? You want to have four good days instead of one heroic day, the first day, and then yep. pay a price for it. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, most of these people are doing six to 10 hours a week. Right. And we, in our four day camp in California, we did 16 hours yep. in four days. Right. Which that's a ton. Right. Yeah. And so if you do too much the first day, then you tend to pay a price for it. Right. And then the quality of those workouts, the quality of those rides and the, maybe even the volume of those rides. Right. If you do a big ride with a lot of intensity on that first day, well, maybe when you wake up the second day, well, we were hoping to do four, four and a half, but maybe just three today. And by the time, you know, that the, the volume maybe starts to taper off and then also the fun factor goes away pretty quickly. And really mm -hmm. that yeah. has to be part of the being a camp. If it starts to be fun and you now it stops being fun, excuse me. And you now are just sort of overwhelmed with the idea of like, Oh man. And just morale wise too, right. You come out of the camp thinking, well, that was kind of a disaster. You know, I, I went in there hoping for 16 hours and I went so hard on the first day and then we all only came out with 12. Yep. Um, still good. It's still more riding than you would have done at home, but you don't leave the camp with that feeling of, accomplishment, excitement about what you just did. So same way you would approach a stage race, right? If you do too much on the first day, well, every day you're going to pay a price for it. So maybe you, in the stage race, you picked up 30 seconds on the first day, but each day after that, you're losing a minute, minute and a half. So in the end, you actually come out on the losing end of it versus if you went maybe a little more cautiously on the first day. And, and you're right. It's maybe you're there, it's sunny. You're riding with more people than you normally ride with. And you get wrapped up in sort of the emotion of that first day. And um, yeah, I, I think it, yeah, the, the quality of the, the future rides, you know, subsequent rides in that camp are going to go down um, and you won't have four good days. You'll have one again, fantastic day. And then maybe three mediocre days at best. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think this goes into my third point where it's, it's important for people to understand that um, stress is not linear over time. And I covered this in my podcast with Dr. Steven Seiler, where we talk about durability, but really what we're talking about is like day one, <laughs> the the consequence of day one is not as strong as day four. If we're doing a, a four day training right. block right. or, um, hour one is much different than, than hour four. So 
Jim, like when you're working with athletes out there at training camp, I mean, like, what are you telling them in hour one or day one versus that hour four and day four? And what are you looking at if they are getting fatigued? Right. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Everybody, everybody's good. It's just like in a race, right? People attack in the first half hour of the race. Right. Well, everybody's fresh. Right. Right. And, and you know, that's, so it's easy to do, but it's also probably not going to be very successful. And it's kind of the same here. If you're putting in your best effort in the first hour and then again, everything's sort of tapering off, it becomes much more of a struggle to get through that fourth hour. So some of it's your habits, whether it's leading into the camp, making sure you come into the camp well-rested, well-hydrated, and then within that ride, same thing. If you're not looking after yourself in the first hour, two hours of the ride, that hours three and four become much more of a, much more of an issue. So, and some of it is, Hey, we, you haven't been here before, right? For a while, you haven't ridden four hours and you haven't ridden four hours, four days in a row. So the mental side of it, of looking out after yourself and, and kind of lifting each other up too, right? And during the course of that four hours, you may have a little bit of a low spot. Somebody else has a high spot. You pick each other up. You remind each other, hey, are you eating and drinking? Let's get out of the wind here for a little bit. Um, because again, that overload comes over time, right? It comes accumulation of those hours, not just in the first hour. Yeah. Yeah. And for a time crunch athlete, I mean, is, you know, they're always going to be solid for 90 minutes. And when, when you play the long game with, you know, this big block of training camp, I mean, you, you kind of, if all you do is 90 minutes, right. You forget about the depletion of glycogen, the depletion right. of water, the being out in the elements, the heat, the wind that just adds on to the mental fatigue as well as the physical fatigue. Right. And so that's where we're saying, you know, stress or training stress is not linear because 200 Watts in hour one, is not the same stress as an hour four because of all the depletion, right. lack of motivation and, and things that like you just described. Yeah. And, and I think that's it. Right. And, and you kind of forget about those things. And if you only ride for 60 to 90 minutes, you, you can get away with not eating or drinking, you know, and, and some often you don't need to, but mm -hmm. that habit isn't there of, Oh, and, and we, you know, I think we both went through it a couple of times in Florida where you realize, man, we're three hours in and I'm still, yeah working on the first bottle or, you know, I've just barely touched right. the second bottle or I have forgotten to eat. And then you right. realize, okay, I need to change things pretty quickly. And, you know, after a couple of days, your habits start to return and you become a little bit more diligent about it. But I think the first day it takes a very concerted effort, you know, one, as you described, to hold yourself back a little bit and two, to make sure you're establishing those good habits, right. Yep. Of eating and drinking. And, and also when you get done, eating and drinking and making sure that recovery part of it is also taken care of because, you know, I know we'll talk about it a little bit later maybe, but you know, you get wrapped up at camp, you're excited. And sometimes where you are, you say, Hey, we're going to go check this out. We're going to go walk around town or I'm going to go shopping. And now suddenly you're missing out on one of those key pieces of training camp, which is being able to recover yeah, from these long sure. rides. Um, and normally if you try to do this at home, it's hard to step away from that because you do have other things you need to take care of. So, yep. Yeah. hundred percent. So when say our listeners are, you know, they're like, oh man, this is a good idea. I've never thought about doing my own training camp. Um, what would you recommend? Like how, how would you advise a listener to plan out, you know, a, a, a training camp for themselves three day, four day. And, and what does that look like? Well, I think a big part of it is just planning, 
right? Figure out where you're going to go. Do you know the routes? Do you not know the routes? Um, If you have the luxury of leaving and going someplace else, I think it's always better, but it can be done at home. Uh, But it takes a little bit more of a conscious effort at home to carve out that time and and not let yourself, you know, get too busy. Because sometimes you say, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to work. Taking three days off of work. So you ride and then you get back and think, wow, man, there's those projects. I should clean out the garage. I should do these things. I have the time. I'm not going to work today. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but I think figuring out, okay, and what, what is a reasonable amount of time, right? How long, you know, and I often caution riders too, right? You get a sunny day because this time of year we'll, ch- we'll chase the weather a little bit, right? Hey, it looks like on Friday it's supposed to be really nice. Can you carve out some extra time? But you don't want to go from, you know, hey, I haven't ridden more than two and a half hours to riding five hours on, you know, on that one day. And I think the same thing at the training camps, making sure the volume is you're overreaching, but you're overreaching in a way that's sustainable for those three or four days. Right. And not getting particularly on that first day. Sometimes it's easier on that first day to do a little bit less. And and it kind of depends on how you structure it. And and do you want to finish on a high note? Right. Where you're. Hey, this is our sort of queen stage of the camp. So we're going to save our biggest day for the last day. So then you might do a, you know, bigger day on the first day, a big day on the first day, a little bit smaller day on the middle day, and then finish with the big one. Um, or if people are getting fatigued, you might look at it like, like a five, four, three, or a, you know, something like that, where it maybe descends a little bit in terms of time. So as they're fatiguing, they're still able to maintain the same intensity and still maintain the same positive outlook through the camp. Uh, but I think planning ahead, just again, making sure you know the area of the route so you're not wasting time getting lost. Um, and then the other piece too, I think it's just easy. We've all done it where we don't plan ahead for what does our post ride look like? And we don't plan ahead and we get back and we eat everything we can, or, you know, we go out and we eat too much. Um, or we're just not ready. We're not prepared and we wait way too long before we eat. So I think having a plan there, whether it's planning the meals or, Hey, we got already planned these restaurants, we've made reservations. Um, and it could be a little tricky too, right? And we're at camp in California. We have, we have a mechanic, we have a follow vehicle, we stop, we refuel. Um, but if you don't know where you are, typically you're not going to have a car with you, right? So planning, trying to plan ahead a little bit of when you create those routes, linking them together so you know where there's a little town where there's a gas station so you don't get in the situation, well, hey, we're we're four hours in and I'm still, I just had the two bottles I started with. Yeah. Because that yeah. makes it really difficult, right, moving forward if you've already gotten behind in the first day in terms of hydration and nutrition, so. Yeah, yeah, so a few things there. Like, first, I agree with you a hundred percent on, on like the structure of the day. So I think for most people, three days is, is manageable, right. To, you know, knock off work, um, kind of knock off any family duties and, and maybe bring some people with. So three days. And like you said, five, four, three is really appropriate. Cause think about what we just talked about where stress, it's not linear. It adds up over time. Right. So five hours on the first day is what we mean. Um, you're more fresh. You can handle more. The next day is four hours, probably, the, you know, the same intensity, but it's going to feel a little different, especially yeah. uh, when you're first starting out. And then three hours on the last day, both because you're tired, but also to all the other stuff, right? You're probably going to be packing your bike up or packing your stuff up in the VRBO or wherever you are, right. catching a flight or driving back. So uh, a little reduced volume on that day is good. Now, if you got four days, 
I, you know, still a little reduction in that, in that third day and then go big on the final day. And just, as you said, plan accordingly. Um, so that three or four day model works really well, but I think planning is, is the biggest thing. I'll just treat it, treat it like any other vacation where you're looking at, um, where the hot spots are. I go to Strava, I go to heat maps and just right. see where people are at. Right. Yeah. And I, st- I, I steal people's routes, um, that look good. Uh, even better is, you know, recruit somebody in your, you know, crew that you're going with that loves map making or that knows the area because knowing, knowing an area, knowing where to get food or, you know, refuel or something like that. I mean, it's gold when it comes to a successful fun camp that doesn't end in, you know, camel mode, (laughs) (laughs) rolling back up to the house with no water food on your, on yourself. So, um, so planning, absolutely. Uh, use Strava heat maps, that kind of stuff to do it. But like, the other thing is you don't need to be like swinging for the fence either volume based camp. You don't need to be doing 10 hours to start this thing. Absolutely. Five is very appropriate. Yeah. Five is a very appropriate amount of time, right? That's it. That's yeah. still a pretty sizable ride when you've been doing yeah. 60 to 90 minutes. Um, yeah. And I think going back to that plane, I think we've all, everybody's got a story of some ride that went awry where, you know, they got lost or thought they knew where they were going. And, you know, those often lead to great stories, but may not be the best part best, you know, best way to do a training camp. Right. right. You know, so having, yeah, yeah that, that, the, you know, especially now almost every bike computer or, or, and, or your phone, you can navigate from it. So while they're, again, some of it just winging it is, is just fine. Um, but you don't want that five hour ride to turn into a seven hour ride, uh, because you got lost and took some wrong turns. And so, yeah. um, I think the yeah. other piece, right. Again, without a follow vehicle too, or along the food and water is just, making sure you're, you're planning in terms of equipment too, right? Yeah. Sort of plan for the worst case. So if you have a couple of flats, you've got tubes, you've got some way to inflate those tubes or new, you know, new sealants, whatever you're running, but just so you're prepared on the, on the bike and, or to be able to address those things, you know, look in the area. Do you have, is there a bike shop nearby or did I bring enough stuff to make sure that, you know, so if something goes wrong, it doesn't keep you from riding that day or the other days. Yeah. Um, well, cause you've made the time, right? You've, you've taken time off of work. You've taken time away from family or, uh, to go do this. Let's make sure you do it. And it's successful. Yeah. You no know, thousand thousand percent, but it, you know, the quote comes out to me right now where it's like those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Right. right. So exactly. <laughs> that summarizes it yeah. for, for training camp. So, you know, that being said, just like in summary, you know, I think the, the biggest things are, you know, choose a volume based approach for training camp because a lot of people, time crunched athletes, they're not getting the volume at home. So take the luxury of it here at camp when you do have the time. Second thing is don't go, you know, too hard too soon because that's going to really limit the quality in days two, three, four, or however many days camp is. Um, also you want to, you know, finish camp, like you said, either just as strong or stronger than when you started. So that pacing is crucial when it comes to having a successful camp. And then finally just plan ahead, plan, plan, plan as best you can. Yep. All good stuff. And, and just, yeah, enjoy the opportunity because I always look forward to them, you know, to be able to get out and ride your bike and be with people you enjoy and see different places or yeah, just be out in the sun, be off the trainer for a little bit. Yeah. Cause at the end, like if you're not having fun with this, I, I don't know why you're doing it. Yeah. hundred percent. 
Cool. Well, Jim, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Uh, always a pleasure. And uh, you know what? I think we'll have you back on for another one. Sounds good. Looking forward to cool. it. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for joining us on the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Three quick things before you take off. First, head over to trainright.com backslash podcast and submit your training questions you'd like to hear answered on future episodes. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcast and share the episode with your friends. This is the best way that you can help support the podcast so we can continue to produce free content to help you improve your performance. Lastly, if you want even more actionable training advice, head over to trainright.com backslash newsletter and subscribe to our free weekly publication. Each week, you'll get in-depth training content that goes beyond what we cover here on the podcast that'll help you take your training to the next level. That's all for now. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.